Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Well, uh, I hope everybody is practicing the uh, physical distancing, right? I, I'm, I think social distancing was a bad term because we don't want to be socially isolated. Hopefully you're calling your friends and family and reading a lot and, you know, uh, watching good programs and listening to good podcasts, wink, wink, nod, nod, um, and keeping yourself socially vigorous, uh, but physically isolating. And uh, hopefully you're healthy. And uh, I know a lot of people are stressing out a lot, and that's completely understandable. But remember, you know, stress is a really negative thing. It doesn't really provide any useful uh, benefit to humanity. I mean, it's. I think if we look at evolutionary terms, stress was a kind of a danger signal. So, if the tiger was chasing you, or the the tribe from around the way, you know, you were stressed to get to safety. But in this context, just stressing out about unknowns, if you're reasonably safe and you know in a good location, is not useful, and it it uh, harms your immune system, right? So I'm hoping. That, uh, that all of you out there are, are trying to keep that under control and, again, practicing the physical distancing so that we can flatten the curve and get this, uh, this pandemic under control. So today's episode is going to bring together many themes from over the years of this podcast, and it's going to be pretty heavy on the rant side, but I promise it will be more than that. You know, the the title here is Time to Get Real. Obviously, this podcast has always been on that theme, but I, I think it's even more uh, pressing than ever to just really be sober and in reality about what we're dealing with here. And so the first part of this is that modern conservatism is as practiced in the U.S., not necessarily globally, but the modern conservative movement in the U.S., is incredibly dangerous. This is not a matter of opinion. This is a fact. Modern conservatism is dangerous. It harms people. It is doing incredible, devastating damage to U.S. society. It has been for a long time. We'll get into some of the history, but we're really seeing it now at a, at a rate that's hard to fathom, right? We have a sociopath in charge and about 45% of the country in this conservative movement, you know, cheering on the sociopath and heavy casualties are mounting, not just death and destruction from the virus, but incredible economic casualties uh, are mounting as we go into a deep, deep recession. I am recording this podcast on April 6th. And we still have many Republican lawmakers and governors not taking this seriously and not, you know, enforcing the physical distancing protocols that the CDC is advocating. And this is going to spread the virus 
you know, at a, at a rate that is much higher than needs to be. I actually just read something um, today about a Texas woman who was on her Facebook page talking about how it was all a hoax and it was a war, just like the fake impeachment. It was a war on the president. And she just died of COVID-19. I am not happy about this. Uh, Again, like I want to be clear, I am opposed and I am here to fight bad ideas and bad ideology and toxic thinking, right? Modern conservatism is toxic thinking, toxic ideologies. But I am sad that this woman was a victim. She got the virus, the zombie virus of modern conservatism, conspiracy and paranoia, and it killed her. Okay, so this is not a good outcome. I don't want her to be dead, but but if you you know if you go down this path of just against all expertise and science and you know you embrace conspiracy, it is bad for your health and it is bad for society. And it was just a, a, a chilling reminder of how damaging this is. As we know, Trump is the absolute worst human being we could imagine to be in charge of this crisis. He's a comic book villain, and he sounds more and more like a comic book villain every moment, right? And I mean, think about it. He's been telling states that they have to be nice to him in order to get help from the federal government. I mean, think about that, right? He's giving more aid to red states than to blue states. I mean, this is this is evil on a level that really, it's just so deep and so profound that it's hard to really fathom, right? We would be better off right now. I would take this a hundred times out of a hundred if we could just grab a random person out of the phone book and make them president right now, right? And, and, and taking a step back here, the arrogance of this country that we thought we could go four years with this fucking lunatic at the helm and that we were just going to have a record stock market and everything would be fine is mind-boggling. I mean, just just me- just meditate on the arrogance of that. You know, again, I had no idea what crisis was going to happen under this president that was going to damage this country in profound ways, but I fucking knew something was going to happen because you can't have a sociopath in charge of the United States of America for four years and something bad, really bad, not happen. I mean, that is just stupidity of the highest order. And again, just two months ago, we were bragging about record stock market and, you know, Trump's cruising to re-election. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out? So I think the motto for the 21st century so far, we are 20 years into the 21st century. I think the most accurate motto we could have is Republicans lie and people die. Take that one to the bank. Make a t-shirt out of it. Make a bumper sticker out of it because that is the motto for the 21st century. Uh, first, we had the Bush years, and it was 9-11, you know, first ignoring all the calls saying that, you know, Bin Laden was planning to attack the homeland. Then after 9-11, it's two failed wars based on lies, principally the Iraq one. The Afghanistan one was just bad foreign policy, but it wasn't based on lies, but certainly Iraq was. And then it was torture and financial collapse And after that, we got the Obama years where Republicans didn't even help him 
you know, pass a stimulus in the worst financial crisis of 70 years. And just contrast that. All of the Republicans, Mitch McConnell and all these fucking lunatic monsters fighting Obama. And contrast that with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer stepping up to pass good legislation to help Americans in a time of need. I mean, if, you, if there was ever a black and white, just compare the Obama years, complete obstructionism, calling Obama a Kenyan socialist and a Muslim. Not that that's a bad thing being a Muslim, but calling him all these things to rile up this racist Tea Party base when all they wanted to do was help rebuild America and like clean energy. Oh, that's so horrible. And then, yeah, giving uninsured people health care. Oh, my God, what a horrible thing for a black man to do to actually help Americans. And the funny thing, again, all of this is most of the people that he helped were poor white people who didn't vote for him. I mean, that is as selfless as you can get, right? When you're, you use your political capital to help the people who didn't vote for you. It's like the exact opposite of Trump and what these fucking monsters are doing. And now we have the Agent Orange years from 2017 to 2020 with this fucking monster in charge. And what is he doing? You know, the absolute worst of everything, because that's who he is and that's who the Republican Party is. Now, I want to say, because I am a reality based person, sometimes, you know, on LinkedIn, I'll say something bad about the president and I'll have some idiot on the right be like you probably said this and this and this and I'm like no I fucking didn't I actually deal with facts and I deal with reality and so let me say that not every single thing Republicans have done over the last 20 years has been horrible uh, George Bush gave 15 billion dollars about to help the AIDS epidemic in Africa very good thing did it help Big Pharma too? And was that probably part of the motivation? Yes, but it was good policy. I praised him then. I'll praise him now. Uh, the Medicare Part D expansion that Bush did. Again, big, big bailout and windfall for, for the pharmaceutical companies because they didn't have government price negotiations in there. But helping seniors get you know key life-saving medicines, good thing. Also, Bush did the No Child Left Behind Act with... Uh, Senator uh, Ted Kennedy, and although there was a lot of flaws in that bill, I think it was a good faith attempt to do education reform. It was with a, you know, a liberal champion Democratic senator, so it was bipartisan. So again, there was a good faith effort there to, to really help education policy in the U.S. Even fucking Donald Trump, this goddamn monster, you know, from that crawled from some fucking, you know, um, pond scum and is now ruling the country... Uh, the, the Criminal Justice Reform Act, again, pretty decent stuff, didn't go far enough, and a lot of it was based on just saving money from incarceration, but you know what, I'll take it, that was a good piece of legislation, and Donald Trump signed it, so the point being here is, I am in reality, I'm not a blind partisan, I actually don't even give a shit about parties, I give a shit about good ideas and things that help people, and so, in this last 20 years, Republicans have not been 100% evil and on the wrong side of history. They've been 98% evil and on the wrong side of history, okay? So in, in net, America has been way, 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 way worse off that Republicans have any power at all. If Republicans had had no power, if Al Gore had won the presidency, if uh, Hillary Clinton had won the presidency, if we had just had 20 years straight of Al Gore into Barack Obama into Hillary Clinton, 
America would be way, way, way better off. So on net, Republicans have fucked up just about everything. And they have lied and people have died and they have led to calamity and destruction of really untold proportions uh, because we haven't even gotten into the fact that, you know, climate change is coming uh, and they've been fucking that up by, you know, being whores for the fossil fuel industry for these two decades. But anyway, this is the world we're in and it was easily predictable if you've been paying attention. If you have studied the right wing and the GOP, none of this, I mean, none of this should be surprising because this is who they are and this is the world that we are in. So again, I've been ringing the alarm about this since, you know, for, for the 21st, entire 21st century and certainly uh, on this public platform here with this podcast. So after the break, we'll talk about kind of where we're at in terms of moving forward and uh, try, to, try to pull some silver linings out of this chaos. Okay, so where are we at here? Um, the evil never stops with the modern GOP, right? And even in the midst of this pandemic, when you know Trump is just unleashing carnage and destruction with his incompetence uh, at levels that are really hard to um, fathom, they're trying to stomp on voting rights, right? And the, the thing that happened the other day on Fox News is just kind of amazing. So a little background here. When Nancy Pelosi became speaker in 2019, the first bill that she passed, H.R. 1, was a major expansion of voting rights. And, of course, the evil Moscow Mitch, this kind of monster from the bowels of the earth, he said um, this is like a, a huge power grab by the Democrats. So just, just, just let that sink in. The leader of the Republican Senate saying that expanding voter rights is a power grab. I'm like, hmm, okay, I thought we were a democracy, but okay. Um, and so what happened um, in this first round of stimulus, or I guess more is emergency relief because of COVID, uh, Nancy Pelosi put in a lot of those voting rights protections into this bill because she's starting to get worried that, you know, we're going to have a hard time getting the vote out uh, if, you know, we're in some kind of national lockdown and a lot of states don't have protections to make sure that we can do absentee voting and vote by mail and that we don't have, you know, that we, we have sufficient polling places, etc. Trump went on on Fox News and said after these these things didn't get in the bill, uh, Nancy Pelosi took them out because there was too much Republican op opposition. And he said this literally on Fox and Friends. He said, he said uh, something, and again, I, 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 you know, this is not verbatim, but something that Nancy Pelosi put all these crazy voting rights stuff in the bill. And, and if, if we had let those get in, a Republican would never win again. 
Now, what's ironic about this is that he finally said out loud what Republicans know and say only in the back rooms. And if you look at the expressions of these Fox News you know, viewers, they had this kind of ashen look like, oh my God, Mr. President, you're not supposed to say that we hate democracy, right? It's supposed to be all about voter fraud and all this other bullshit. We're not supposed to say that we don't want people to vote, right? And yet it's, you know, the cat's out of the bag here. Uh, I think uh, another state a legislator in Georgia, of course, Republican, said basically the same thing. If we go to all vote by mail, you know, we're never going to win again in Georgia. And, you know, and Democrats are going to win. And so, look, this is the deal. The deal is we are a country that is a very imperfect democracy. We have all kinds of bullshit from the white supremacist electoral college that make it so that the person who loses the popular vote by three million can still be president. Again, this is the second time this happened this century. The first time was uh, when Al Gore won the popular vote, but lost when the Supreme Court stole the election and gave it to Bush. And we know how those eight years turned out. Um, And so the reality here is, is that just think about what this says about our society, right? We, we say we're the world's greatest democracy. We've even gone to war and killed hundreds of thousands of people in Iraq because we were so supposedly bringing them democracy. And yet, one of our major political parties knows that if we actually had democracy, they would not win. They know their ideas suck. They know that nobody fucking likes them. And so they have two things. They have two options. Just remember this. They have two options. The Republican Party could look at and go, wow, if we have real democracy in this country, people don't want corporate welfare. They don't want right-wing judges. They don't want to hate on gay people. They don't want to take away women's rights. They don't want to just subsidize the fossil fuel industry that people actually think we should do something about climate change. So you know what? Let's change. Let's become a party We'll have a, a center-right bent on it. You know, there's there's ways to approach climate change that are from the left and from the right. There are ways to, you know, help people uh, with a social safety net that are from the right and the left. We'll be the right-wing alternative for the things people like. But no, Rep- the Republican Party has not done that. What they've said is, since what we do, people fucking hate, we're just going to suppress people's voting rights and make it so that the people who lose the vote win. And we're going to gerrymander and we're going to rig the system so even though people hate our ideas, we can still win. And that's a choice that Republicans have made, right? No one's forcing their hand. There's plenty of places in the world where there are strong center-right parties that are legitimate and win majorities, right? But the Republican Party is so fucking evil that they don't want to do that. They're like, instead, we'll just suppress people's votes and make it so that people can't vote because that's what we do in the world's greatest democracy. Rah, rah, wave the flag and rinse, repeat. But it doesn't end there. It gets better. In the midst of this COVID epidemic, Andrew Wheeler, the fucking oil industry shill who's in charge of the EPA, says the EPA is not going to regulate polluters um, during this time. That it's going to be too difficult when you have people and you know they're in their social distancing. So we're just going to let you pollute as much as you want during this COVID epidemic. Just think of how ass fucking backwards that is. That right now, when we need people to be healthy and we need people to you know step up and uh, and you know do everything they can to keep 
healthcare front and center. We're just going to let people pollute the air and water un in an unprecedented rate because, you know, there's nothing Republicans, there's no crisis Republicans won't use to the advantage of their corporate fossil fuel state and the big polluters. I mean, it's evil at a level, again, it's hard to fathom. The evil is coming so fast and furious that it's hard to keep up with. But this is this is what Republicans do. But that's not all. I feel like one of those commercials, I don't know, I'm dating myself here, but it's like the Ginsu commercial where they're like, and you also get a cheese grater and you also get a steak paring knife. So what else do the Republicans have? In the midst of the COVID uh, pandemic, they throw in there that they are going to radically reduce the um, the mileage requirements. This was the for cars and trucks. This was uh, Obama's biggest victory for climate change was a massive increase in fuel efficiency in our car and truck fleet. And the Trump administration, of course, have eviscerated it. They've eviscerated it so much that they even reduced it more than the auto industry wanted them to. Think about that. In, when, in trying to help the auto industry, they went above and beyond because they're such whores of the fossil fuel industry. They will do anything they can to get it so that people are, you know, are still have to keep their addiction to fossil fuels. Not to be outdone by the Trump administration, McConnell, he came out uh, last week and said the reason that Trump's response to COVID has been so fucked up and incompetent is because of impeachment. The impeachment distracted Trump from what he really wanted to do, which was to do pandemic preparation. David Frum, who is a conservative, one of the first original never Trumpers, he was one of George Bush's speechwriters in the 2000s. I do not agree with David Frum about a lot, but he's been a real hero in being ideologically consistent and saying, you know, if you are a true conservative and you don't you know, go with this bullshit, you have to be a never Trumper and vote for Democrats. And here's what David Frum said on Twitter in response to Mitch McConnell's bullshit about, you know, impeachment is what um, got in the way of Trump having a competent response. He said, and I quote, your honor. My client would have never crashed his car into the daycare center, killing all those kids, if the police had not chased him after the bank robbery. So thank you, David, from, for being a conservative with a conscience and showing the world, you know, what a monster Mitch McConnell is. So where are we? All this, all this evil, like all this evil, and 45% of the country still supports Donald Trump. So what does this tell us? It tells us that there is literally nothing he can do. Nothing. He could fuck Putin on the White House lawn and they would say it was a liberal hoax. Okay? And what an indictment of our society that someone so evil and insane could be loved by so many. We have to at some point ask, what have we done in this society that we have gone so far off the rails? Right, that literally someone who their inactions and actions are killing tens of thousands of Americans um, can still be popular. Right, someone who should have an approval rating of zero. Right, a sane society, Trump would have an approval rating of zero. Right. Now, again, it is not nice. It is not comforting. It is not happy to realize and recognize that 45% of the country is clinically insane. And in fact, 
Many of those people who are clinically insane may be in your family or they may be your colleagues. Um, I know people who support Trump who are part of this 45% zombie horde of clinically insane people. It is not happy talk, but it's the truth and we need to face it, right? We cannot be denied the truth is never going to get us out of this. Now, again, I keep reiterating this. And I, but it's important to reiterate, I do not hate these people. I hate the ideology and the disease that has infected them, and I want to help cure them. I do not hate the individuals. In fact, I want to help them, right? And many of these people who are clinically insane and supporting this president um, might even make nice neighbors. They might bring you food and help you out if, you know, something happens to your house, right? I'm not saying all these people are frothing at the mouth all day, right? And I'm, um, But what I'm saying is they have been infected and they are part of this cult that just cannot see clearly, right? And they are not going to come around, right? There is, look, if a pandemic that brings us massive death and destruction does not make them come around, nothing's going to, right? Now, the media has also been enabling this behavior, right? And the, the media has done such a fucking shitty job. And it's so profoundly disturbing that they, the, the media has not done, you know, a good, responsible job here. Um, right, because in the midst of this kind of madness, if, if we were doing a good job with our media, the headline might be like something like this. President Trump shows that he is not the president of all Americans and is punishing his, um, you know, states that do not support him. That might be something like a, one of the uh, the headlines. The, the lead paragraph might say something like, President Trump is helping red states more than blue states, punishing American citizens in cities and states that are run by Democrats and rewarding his political allies in states like Florida. This is the type of crackpot, cruel behavior that you would expect from dictators, not the president of the United States. This president has blood on his hands and is purposefully and intentionally harming certain sets of American citizens for political bane. This is beyond the pale even for him. Right? Like that should be the lead paragraph on every major paper in the USA Today, New York Times, Washington Post. But instead we get bullshit. We really do. Like they just cannot... I don't know what it is. It really this this will have to be studied in the years and decades to come how the media failed us so much. That being said, there are exceptions. And I want to give a shout out to the Boston Globe. They had a uh, a an editorial recently. It was on um March 30th and basically saying that the president is unfit to lead and that he has blood on his hands and really saying what needs to be said. Uh, sadly, it's it, it's the exception and not the uh, the rule here. But we are in dire, dire straits, and the media is not going to save us. Republicans are going to definitely continue their evil. So really, all that stands between us and really the abyss is the Democratic Party, which is doing really working overtime to make sure that there's stimulus. And this economic relief really helps workers. And Adam Schiff is out there saying they're going to have a commission to make sure that we document kind of like the 9-11 commission, all the, the ills and errors that have gone into making this pandemic worse. And then 
There are podcasts like this and the many others that I support that are on my website just trying to deal with reality and truth and trying to have be a voice for sanity because that's the thing I want to just kind of end this segment with. This is really at the end of the day. It's not liberal versus conservative. It is not um, you know, right versus left. This is sanity versus insanity. We have a huge portion of this country that is insane. And the, the, and the, the, the sane team, people who can see clearly and are looking at reality and, and, can, and realize that 2 plus 2 still equals 4, even though Fox News says it equals 3 and Rush Limbaugh says it equals you know 59.5, that 2 plus 2 equals 4... This is the crew that we need to to rally around. We need to, you know, rally around sanity in this time. So after the break, I'll uh, I'll talk about moving forward here. Okay, so this last segment's kind of kind of be a, an extended antidote section, and then we'll trail off into some some other good music here. Uh, so what we need is a mass mobilization of the sane, right? We need sane human beings who can think clearly, rationally, and have in their hearts and in their minds a desire to see a better world, who look out at all the waste, the massive amounts of waste of all human capital and physical capital and government spending. I mean, think of the trillions wasted on the Iraq and Afghanistan war, and now the trillions that are going to be wasted, I mean, for good purpose, but wasted because Trump is such an incompetent idiot that he couldn't even get the testing regimes ready, and now we're going to be in a much worse economic situation that we're going to uh, you know, than we would have been. And all these trillions. I mean, imagine if they had gone into affordable housing and good medicine and health care and climate change and clean energy. I mean, so we just continually see this waste on and on and on and on. And the sane people of the world, we know we can do better. We must do better. The New Yorker recently had an article and said, reality has endorsed uh, Bernie Sanders, right? And you know, and this is an amazingly hopeful piece because it's showing that, hey, you know, the this COVID shows we should probably have universal health care and it probably means we should have a strong safety net. All these things that Bernie Sanders has been saying. But the reality is, is that in these moments of pandemic and crisis, oftentimes the public goes down a dark way. Right, it goes more to the right as people get more scared. We see right now in America record gun sales. Right, that's just freaking great. More people with AR-15 semi-automatic rifles in a time of pandemic. Right, and so the public might go go really dark right now if we don't mobilize and show a better way. 
right? And show that there is a way to organize society and build society that is good for everybody, right? And so clearly one thing that I think is good about this moment and is a silver lining is that from now on, there's just no more bullshit about not having money for clean energy or a green new deal or whatever, right? It's like, fuck that. I got into a whole thing with this oil industry guy from Texas talking about we don't have enough money for this. And I was just like, fuck you. You know, your team has just squandered trillions and trillions of dollars. And you want to say there's no money for a green new deal? Like, fuck that. Never again. So moving forward, we know there is money. It just has to be wisely spent, right? Now, At other moments in history, there have been right-wing death cults that have come to power, and they haven't nearly had 45% of the country, right? You know, even the fascists in in the mid-20th century, when they came to power, they did not have 45% of the country. And so it's scary, right? We have slim margins here in the United States. So when I say a mobilization is saying, I mean, we really all got to unify, especially when we're in a rigged system like ours that our majorities don't necessarily win. I want to say a, a, sto- a sobering statistic here for my listeners. Obama, in 2008, right, after two failed wars, a global financial crisis, and Obama being perhaps the most charismatic leader uh, in America in a generation, what was this, the popular vote victory that he won in 2008? when we had John McCain parroting stupidity and, you know, having Sarah Palin, the, the precursor of Trump, as his running mate. You know, John McCain, this great hero, saying, I want this idiot Alaska governor who can't string two coherent sentences together to be my running mate when I my health isn't that great and she might become president. So you would think Obama won this huge landslide in 2008, right? He won 52.9% of the vote. I mean, let that sink in, right? Obama, the greatest politician of a generation in a huge catastrophe of Republicans making, he couldn't even get 53% of the vote. So what does that mean? It means we do not have much room for error. We must unite. No third party bullshit. No Bernie bros who are disgruntled that, you know, that that their man didn't win. We got to unite. I did not vote for Joe Biden. I do not think Joe Biden is going to be, you know, the best candidate ever. I voted for Elizabeth Warren. I think she would have been an amazing president and would have been really exactly the type of person that we would have wanted to have. But we don't have that. And so we must unite and build true democracy in America. But many on the left still don't see it. I am just shocked by getting into things with people on LinkedIn or in discussions with friends of friends, people on the left who just don't get it. So I want to take a little moment here to talk about a, a, some quotes from a book that I highly recommend. I've been, I've been reading a lot. Uh, this pandemic, when we're, we're inside all the time, or at least not, you know, much more than than normal. I've been reading like crazy, and I came across this book called *The Oppermans*, an incredible piece of literature that was written in 1934. Um, it was a kind of a bird's eye view uh, from the inside of the rise of Nazism, and this guy who who wrote *The Oppermans* is credited with being one of the most prescient 
artist to really see what's going on because obviously 1934 this is before you know the 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 the, the real you know scourge of Nazi Germany and World War II and the and the Holocaust that claimed three million I mean sorry six million Jews and then three million of other quote undesirables that the Nazis killed in death camps and I, I there are two quotes that I want to read you from this book and again this is fiction right he's talking about the rise of national socialism in this book again 1934 and here's the a quote that really struck at me Goes inconsistency and deceit were the underlying characteristics of all the actions of their leaders. Their speech was deceitful and so was their silence. They got up with a lie and went to sleep with a lie. Their discipline was a lie. Their code of laws a lie. Their judgments a lie. Their science a lie. Their sense of justice and their faith were lies. Their nationalism, their socialism were lies. Their ethical philosophy was a lie, and so was their love. Everything was a lie. Only one thing about them was genuine, their hate, right? Now, that's 1934 in, uh, in, in Germany. Who does that um, describe in today, 2020? Second quote, most people were not properly aware of it. They believed that if they talked gently to the mad dog, he would not bite them. But he knew that mad dogs did not react in this manner. Right? So here he was in 1934 trying to wake people up, trying to tell them to beware that the mad dog isn't amenable to reason. We are in the same moment today. The right wing in America while I do not want to do a Nazi analogy, a Nazi comparison, it is time to start making that comparison because if through Trump's incompetence, hundreds of thousands of people needlessly die, if through Trump and the GOP's malevolence, we continue to support the fossil fuel industry and block clean power, we are going to have destruction on par with Nazism. And again, the characteristics of the lies and the mendacity is the same right? Nothing is, of course, ever the same. Trump and the GOP aren't going to start waving swastikas around and having death camps, but they are going to put kids in cages and they are going to say that Nazis are fine people too, right? So I'll have more on that in future episodes, but I really strongly recommend that people cut off people who are in the GOP zombie cult, right? These people aren't going to come around. If these are family members, I get it. You can't cut them off and obviously be nice to them and kind to them and do everything you can to help them. But you need to call out evil when you see it. Now, this puts me at odds with a lot of people who insist on being incredibly deferential to people on the right and not calling out their evil. I have a lot of friends and colleagues who just still do not get it and probably will not. And I get it. And that's just the way it is. So I am extremely respectful to individuals, but we are we should not be respectful to ideologies that are toxic and evil. And modern conservatism is toxic and evil. Enough is enough. If the mass killing of large numbers of American citizens through in sheer incompetence and ruthless corruption is not enough, and a huge Great Depression that is coming are not enough 
for you to condemn right-wing ideology, I don't know what is. We are nearing a breaking point, and it is time now to step up. The thing that I am worried about, I am not worried about whether Joe Biden can win this election and whether uh, Democrats can retake the Senate. What I am worried about is that the GOP is going to steal it. I am very worried that Trump and the Republicans will do everything they can to shut down voting in big urban centers where our demographic of the sane is most concentrated. And so the strong voting protection measures that were dropped from the first rescue bill, I am really hoping Pelosi has a strategy to get those in in enough time that we can have sufficient voter protections to make sure that when the same team shows up, our votes are counted and we defeat these monsters. This is not a fucking drill, right? Like a second Trump term after this Great Depression when they remake the courts and they put in all their cronies and they dole out hundreds of billions to fossil fuel companies and you know crush dissent, then it's really game over and I'm going to start looking for the exits and start thinking about a better place to live or just hunker down in California and think about California as my nation and, uh, and just, you know, every state to themselves. I don't want to live like that, right? I want to build a strong, just and sustainable America. But it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take all the sane people uniting and working hard so with that we're going to go out with some music that's a little different than the the hendrix voodoo child today if you're enjoying this podcast and if you think what i'm saying makes some sense and it is a message worth listening to please share it with family friends and colleagues and on your social media subscribe on apple Podcasts, itunes stitcher and now on spotify rate it Give it the five stars that you think it deserves. And uh, with that, everybody, stay safe. Practice physical distancing, but not social distancing. Call your loved ones. Call those friends you haven't talked to in a long time. And uh, do a lot of reading and, uh, and you know educate yourself. Donate to causes that are important. And get ready to help bring out a democratic wave in November. All right, everybody. Take care. Now I don't know, but I've been told If the horse don't pull, you got to carry the load I don't know who's back that strong Maybe find out before too long One way or another One way or another Yeah.